Well, what's up Ascent Community Church? Listen, I know that we are weeks into the month already, but I just have to say it because I haven't seen you in a while. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to today's service. I believe God has something very special to say, not because I'm speaking, but because that's how God works. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice and I'm one of the teaching pastors here on staff. I wanna dive directly into what we're getting into today. And by the way, even before I move on, I need you to know that each week we are going to be building upon each week. So it's gonna be important for you to go and look at each one as it continues to have a trajectory of getting to this end goal. And for us, this series that we're in is entitled, Where Do We Grow From Here? It's this thought and this idea that we just can't move past and what's on to the next thing and get to the what's, what's happening next week or whatever the case may be. How do we leave 2020 where it is and get to moving to the next thing before we do? How do we grow in this moment? How do we grow from here? How do we look at 2021 with a little bit of foresight, recognizing this does not become a great year. This does not become a year to my advantage and my benefit if I do not grow. So we wanna lean into that. And Bill kicked us off last week talking about the ecclesia, the church. These are the Jesus words, words as he says, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia, my movement upon this rock. And he's beginning to emphasize this, this, this moment where the church begins to move like never before. And when we look at that today, the main word that I wanna lean into is gonna be courage. Because today, as we go into the book of Acts, and Acts is this book where uh, the full title is Acts of the Apostles. And it's called Acts because God began to move miraculously through this group and community of people first through the uh, apostles. And so it's called Acts of the Apostles because they began to do some miraculous acts by way of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly where I wanna lean into because there's no reading the book of Acts without getting into the person of the Holy Spirit, without recognizing God's plan and purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's this big thing, this big idea, theological concept that we as Christians, we hold to a Christian belief of a Trinitarian God. It's a big theological word. Email me if you wanna talk more about it. I don't have enough time to dive deep into it. I love to discuss that with you though, because that is a game changer. That is a belief that we hold. And one of the persons of the, of the Trinitarian God is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes the appearance in the book of Acts. We see in Acts chapter two, I want you to in your own time, your own devotion, to go back and look at that because God had a plan when all the group of people were there together, a community of people, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. It's this, this person, it's this, this breath of God. Some theologians would say that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God moving in and out amongst the world and also especially in believers. Those who have placed their faith in God, those who have decided to submit themselves and live for God, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit now is indwelling inside of you. And this happens at the first century church. At the birth of the church, God saw fit for the Holy Spirit to make an appearance, to be moving in and out amongst them because Jesus knew, and I got to lay the foundation here, stick with me, Jesus knew that if he just stayed on earth in his human body, only the glory would reside there. Only God's presence would reside in him only. But Jesus says, I came because I love the world and I died and I have to go to heaven because I love you. And because I love you, I want every one of you to have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
So what is it that I'm going to be leaning on in the weeks after this? The speakers that are coming after me are also going to be leaning into. It's going to be leaning into this main idea that the Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers. He enables us to do things that we would have never done, to be people that we would have never been without his presence. And the Holy Spirit is the game changer. So as I lay the foundation of us being a movement, there is no movement, there is no ecclesia, there is no us being who Jesus was in the earth without the Holy Spirit. So as I lay the foundation of the Holy Spirit today, what do I wanna get at? I wanna get to this main idea that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be courageous. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be courageous. And this is what we're gonna see in the first century church all throughout the book of Acts and even beyond. But in particular, today, I wanna to highlight a character named Peter because we see in Peter's life a courageous move that changed the trajectory, not only of his life, not only of him as an individual, but the church corporately. And that matters that it goes just beyond your household. It goes beyond into the movement of the body of Christ in general. And we're going to get into all of those things. But for now, I think it's important for us to pause. As we get started with our day, I want us to be encouraged by a song and to recognize the Holy Spirit and to take a moment to sing to God, the God of the universe, the God of love and mercy. We're going to get to exactly how do we be courageous, biblically courageous. But before then, I want us to lean into this song and I want you to worship with us because God has been faithful. So let's take a listen. All right, well, we invite you into this song, song of freedom. It's found in our great God. Would you join us? Step out of the shadows, step out of the Break into the wild and don't be afraid. Run into other spaces, grace is waiting for you. Dance like the wind.
Chains will fall, chains will fall, prison shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Chains will fall, prison shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake. Hey, good morning, Ascent. Hey, before we get back to Maurice and his sermon, I just want to give you guys a little bit of thoughts around some of the things that God is laying on our hearts right now with Ascent. See, I believe that God is centering us right now. I think after all of the fall and the winter and all the things that we were going through in the fall and the winter as a church, I think God's centering us. He's centering us through three different ways that I want to unpack with you real quick this morning. He is centering us through pruning. He has centered us through prayer, and He has centered us through His Holy Spirit and the presence. There you go. There's another P, the presence of His Holy Spirit. See, I believe He is centering us through even some pruning that's been happening. See, we saw some financial pruning in the fall where we're, we were struggling a little bit financially. We saw some, some pruning through our staff, and we lost some very loved staff people in both Jim and Kayla. But there is a passage in John that gives us such great hope. It's a passage where God is saying, look, Great branches are pruned. Great branches that are bearing fruit are pruned. But, I'm, but it's because a new branch is going to grow that's going to bear even more fruit. And I believe that's what God's doing. Kayla and Jim were bearing great fruit with the work that they were doing. But what's God in store, ne got, got in store next for us as a church? Maybe it's you guys. Maybe it's each one of us that might step into to places where you see the need. And maybe we're going to grow even greater. See, we're going to have, a, we still have a, a deep commitment to our children's and our, our children and our families. And maybe it's going to be some, some from you where you might say, man, I have a passion around that and I want to see where that goes. And that might be God's work in growing us even stronger through your ownership in that. Maybe financially, it's your ownership in that financially that God's going to grow us even stronger in this new season. I believe that's happening. I think God's centering us in that right now. We had 11 new families give in the month of December. If With that kind of, of excitement and that kind of momentum, who knows where God's going to take this church in 2021. But it sure gives us a lot of hope. I think God's centering us through prayer. You guys, I can't wait to see what Aisha is going to do as our prayer pastor this year. See, the, the, the thing that we, we look at 2021 and we say, how great would it be if this church was saturated, if we, if we saturated all that we were doing in this church through prayer? And so I sat down with, with Aisha and I said, Aisha, what if you just led that charge? 
that people became prayer people. Some, of, some folks have said, well, I already pray, but, pray, but and that's great, but a lot of us will act and may, oh yeah, we have to pray as well. You know what? We want to lead with prayer. We want to lead with saying, God, where are you taking us? What are you doing? And lead us in that we follow right behind him. Man, Aisha is going to lead that charge to be a church that is going to be a prayer-filled church, and I love that. I can't tell you how excited I am. That's God centering us on prayer. And I believe he's centering us on the whole, through the Holy Spirit. I think that God's pre, the presence of the Holy Spirit is here and he is telling us just, just recognize that. That's this whole series right now, that we are going to be the ecclesia, of the church, the movement in the community through the Holy Spirit. And we are empowered through the Holy Spirit to be courageous like Maurice is talking about today. In fact, we got to get it back to him right now to keep talking about that. But remember, all that we're talking about is because the Holy Spirit empowers us to do it. And that's what Maurice is getting at this morning. Father, I pray that you would continue to bless the words that Maurice shares. Bless each one of us as we hear it, that we would take a step closer to you and embrace the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, keep speaking through Maurice this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we start a new year, we find ourselves not fully recovered from the last. We're tired, we're overwhelmed, and maybe we've even lost our way. But it's in the wilderness that Jesus extends us an invitation, an invitation to walk with him, to break old patterns, rhythms, and practices, and learn new ones. An invitation to see, do, and begin anew, to live lightly in the midst of heaviness. And he's not asking you to do it alone. He's calling us to do this together, and see how he shows up next. All right, well, Ascent, if we're gonna talk about courage, I think it's gonna be important for us to define courage. When I say courage or courageous, I don't want you thinking one thing and me thinking a different thing, so let's get all on the same page. And where do we go for definitions? Well, hold on right there, just stay a second. You know how this happens, wait. Siri, define courageous. Courageous means not deterred by danger or pain, brave. There it is. Not deterred by pain, not deterred by danger. That's what Siri said. So that, that must mean that's exactly what it is. Well, listen, today, as we dive into what courage is, uh, I'm with Siri, don't, don't get me wrong. But what is the courage? What is the courageous steps that we see in the first century church, the birth of the church, that ecclesia, because we can't define something today and it's not what we see in scripture. Because I firmly believe when I look at the life of Peter in Acts chapter four, where I'm gonna be reading from today, there is courage in what, what the Siri talked about, what you may see in your friends or family, whatever that may be, which is totally fine, right? Not deterred by pain, not deterred by danger. But what does it look like to have biblical courage? Because I think that there's a difference between the two. As we dive into this, as we start to unpack a little bit more, I think there is a difference between the two. Let's look at the life of Peter in Acts chapter 4, and I believe what we're going to learn is what we see biblical courage point us to. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start at the 8th verse, and we're going to be ending at verse 12. So check this out. It says, then Peter, and I'll give you some context in a little bit, but then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. Let's pause for a second. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. 
I just want to take a little quick little insert here and let you know that the writer could have just said, then Peter said to them. There's an emphasis that he shows us as the Luke. He's the writer of this book called Acts and he's a doctor that was following Jesus's life. And he shows us what's like, like I said a little bit before, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. Why? Because that is a shift. That is a game changer. That is where I believe biblical courage and regular courage have a little bit of a difference. Where we can see people in our world, yes, they take big steps, yes, they do amazing things, and yes, we can ascribe courage to them, but I, when I see the first century church, when I see Peter in this moment, I see Luke, our writer, showing us he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible lets us know that Peter was once one who didn't have this courage. He was once one who actually cowered. He was once one who actually tried to stay private in his faith and just let Jesus know that he loved him and he lived for him. But when he was pressed on that, when society began to ask him, who are you from? He denied Jesus three times. So we see Peter months ago have a cowering spirit and he began to cower when people asked about him and Jesus. And now he's standing up for Jesus. But how many of you know that we're not defined by one of our mistakes? We're not defined by a moment of our life where we actually have a second chance and lets us know months later, Peter now stands up with boldness, with courage, filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to talk and begins to say things in the midst of turbulence. What we'll see is actually there is a lot of consequences that are coming with Peter speaking in this moment. He was supposed to shut up and go with the status quo, but he doesn't. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit. I want to read a little bit further. It gets really good. He said to them, rulers of the people and elders, these were the councilmen of the day. These were people who were telling them to shut up because they had just healed a man in the name of Jesus. And they said, no, 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 don't do that. Why? I don't know. But they're asking and really pressing him. Don't do that. We already have a king. We have a person that we love. We have a person that we submit to. Leave that name of Jesus alone. You're going to cause riots. You're going to cause these things. And Peter decides to go against the grain. And he says here in verse nine, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, and there is no salvation that no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter says some pretty harsh words. He says some pretty bold words, some pretty courageous words. And what I see in Peter as he's healed a man by the name of Jesus, and now the rulers and elders of the day are saying, don't do that. Peter stands up. And in this passage alone, I believe we learn three things of what biblical courage looks like, what biblical courage is and what we see in the life of Peter. Because what we know of Peter is that his source is different. He's not just saying that, look at me, look at how all the things that I've done. Look how I've raised this man from the dead. Look, yeah, it's me. You know, I stayed up late and I, I went to school for healing and I, I done all these things. And I stayed up late and I, I made my, worked my way and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. And it was me that did that. I got myself here. No, Peter actually through recognition of the Holy Spirit says, it's not I, but the Christ that's in me. 
And I think what we see in courage and biblical courage is the source is different. Not to demean humanity, we are made in God's image and we can do some great things on our own, but are we really on our own? Peter knows that no matter what it is, we see that it is the Holy Spirit living in us. Paul, another follower of Jesus would say, it's in him that we move, it's in him that we live, it's in him that we have our very being, it's his breath that moves in our body. Biblical courage points to a source that is beyond ourself. Point number one of what we know of biblical courage is that biblical courage does not come without risk. Biblical courage does not come without risk. Peter has won, if we look at his day and time, he risked his life, his status, his reputation. I want us to stop for a second because we're talking about a man who has a vocation, who has a job. We're talking about a man who has relationship with people that are in the city. He has family. He has people that he's connected to. He has people that he's not just living for himself. He, he has a community of people. And he knows that if he stands up in this moment, what could happen to them? I'm not, we're not talking about westernized uh, America in this moment where he could go to the, the court and they go through a system. No, no, no. We're talking about a moment where the temple and the ruler and the God of that day was who people in society started to cling to. And they say, listen, we already have our own temple. We don't need you talking about some Jesus and they will shut you up. And how do they shut you up? This isn't just throw you in jail. No, no, this is beat you. This is torture. First century church that was birthed, that ecclesia was birthed in marginalization. It was birthed in a time of oppression, true beatings, true flogging, true taking rocks and throwing them, stoning people. When we look at the church in the book of Acts, it does not come without persecution. And when we see biblical courage, it does not come without risk. So Peter, in this moment, when he stands up, he's not just standing up giving a TED talk. He's not just standing up giving some speech. He's not just standing up giving this 10 minute three point sermon that he's just excited about. He's standing up in the midst of persecution. He's standing up knowing that he's at a crossroad where his decision matters. He's standing up recognizing that if he does this, it's gonna come at a cost. So my question to you, as we begin to live into who the church is, that ecclesia and that movement, things have not changed too much from today. Personally and individually and corporately. First, I want to start with you individually. Where is the risk that God has put before you? Where have you noticed risk in your life? I got to be honest, when I take a moment to look at my own life, when I take a moment to look at all of the comfort that I sit in, when I take a moment to sit back and recognize that I don't have to take the risk, I don't have to engage in, in communities that are not like myself, I don't, I don't have to take that step. Uh, life is good, I can sit back, I'm married, have a beautiful wife, I'm, things are going well, I'm in seminary, I can get a few letters behind my name and you know, cool. I, I'm doing okay and I'm able to live a life and I come to a point where I'm asking, where's the risk? In 2021, if we are gonna move like the church in the first century, I believe we have to examine our lives and recognize where is the risk? Because in Peter's life, we see that courage, if I'm gonna be a courageous person, 
If I'm not going to be a person that actually separates my Christian life over here and God, you can be the God of my Sunday morning, but on the regular days, I can do these other things and live my own life. If, if we're going to submit our lives to him, if we're going to be courageous, if we are going to be followers of Jesus, it will demand moments of courage. So where's the risk? Where's the courage in these in our lives today, individually, but also corporately? I look at our lives and where we have come as a nation and as we have come as a community of believers, rather. And I believe that God will continue to put a risk in front of us. And we'll come to a crossroad where our decision matters. It's not just something that's easy. It's not something that's trivial. It's actually something that we have to really think through. And where can we rest in? Well, I want to encourage you. I don't want to just bring up all these things as something that's daunting. I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be courageous. Well, Maurice, that comes with risk. Well, the way that God designed life is that even in the midst of risk, the Holy Spirit is with us. See, Peter had nothing else to lean on in this moment as he's standing up, speaking the name of Jesus outside of Jesus alone. He didn't have the, uh, wealth and status and to get him out of jail. He didn't have all this, this whatever it may be to take to give him the, the comfort route or to give him a pass. No, no, no. He doesn't get a pass. And there's risk involved. And I'm not saying that our lives have to be on the line every single day and all these things. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But I am saying that risk is involved with the Christian life. So how does that flush out? Well, maybe the risk involves a conversation. Not just a conversation. Come on, you know what I'm talking. I'm talking about a hard conversation. Maybe at work, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your son or your daughter. Things happen in life and we have to do the hard thing. Where's the courage and the risk in our lives today? How does that look with your finances? How does that look when we can look at our bank account and our statements and our wallets and we can see where we actually have put our hope, where we have actually put our, our joy? I'm not coming after money. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying we can do some internal reflecting and see, have I been courageous with that? Has there been any risk when it, when it comes to how I've lived at work? Do people even know I'm a Christian at work? Do people know that when I say that I'm going somewhere on Sunday, that it is church because I'm a part of a community of believers? I know that we live in an area and it's a spiritual climate that it's not all super churchy. This isn't the Bible, but we all get that. We recognize that. It's a place that we can be and we can love, but there's gonna be some moments that hard conversations come up. But isn't this what we're built for? Isn't this why God gave us the Holy Spirit? Isn't this why we can be the credible witness of the church in today's time, 2021? I'm encouraging all of us to step out and take a risk. And I don't know what your risk looks like. You do. Maybe you need to ask somebody for forgiveness. Maybe risk comes with turning off your phone. Maybe risk comes with walking away from a relationship. Risk is involved at all these different layers. And I want you to think about that. There's a quote that I came across that I thought is gonna be so impactful as we end on our first moment, our, our first uh, point. It says this right here, uh, C.S. Lewis once wrote, 
If you never take risks, you'll never accomplish great things. Watch this. He follows this up with a sentence. Everybody dies, but not everyone has lived. He's pressing into this idea. C.S. Lewis, a, a great writer, author, and also theologian in many respects. He's pressing into this idea that what it means to truly live is to truly take risk. And us as individuals, this is what I believe God is calling us to, into. And secondly, I believe this is what he's calling us into as a church. Maybe you've been here for some time, maybe you haven't, but one of our core values as a church is risk-taking. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. Do we always live up to that value? No, not at all. Are we always perfect at that value? No, not at all. But it's, that's what a value's there for, that we can actually throw things up against it to reflect on our lives and say, how, how have we been as a community, as a corporate place, as a place where we are pressing into the ecclesia? Have we been risk- risk-taking? That is one of our core values and we line up all that we do and we ask that question. Sometimes we hit the mark, sometimes we don't, but it's there as a value because we see it as a value in the beginning of when the church was birthed. I sent, I believe God is calling us into something courageous, individually and corporately. And I want you to take a moment to listen to this special guest with me because I believe we can learn something from their story as well. Watch this. Well, what's up, everybody? I told you that I had a special guest for you. I'm Maurice Cox, and I'm joined by another Cox, my dear mother, Anita. What's up, mom? Say hi to everybody. Hi, hello, hello. That's right, that's right. Well, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell everyone who you are and what it is that you do. I am Maurice's mom. I am the chief nursing officer at Good Samaritan Hospital in San Jose, California, and I am one of the executives. I'm also a mom. I've been married for uh, 30 years and I am a mom of four. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you are doing big things and mom, I am so proud of you. Today on my sermon, I am talking about courage and you are one of the very first people that came to mind um, as an inspiration and in your field and what you do this past year with the pandemic has been uh, very impactful to the nursing world and you are right on the front lines. And so first and foremost, what is it that got you into nursing? Well, thanks for asking that because, you know, growing up, I wasn't real sure what my path was. My father uh, was a general contractor. He built a home and we had this big picture window. And one of the things that helped me get to where I am today was in the window, I would always see different things that were taking place. And on one particular day, uh, there was a tragic event that I actually noticed that happened in front of our home. And so it happened to my brother. My brother, was a gunshot victim and I uh, looking at him lay there in the in the front of the house there was something that I knew that I needed to do mm-hmm. and so uh, being a woman of faith myself at that young age I ran out and was able to see my brother and uh, I, I felt helpless but I did know what I did have was prayer yeah. and I was able to stretch out over my brother and pray over him That's powerful. and so That was the defining moment that helped me propel into where I am now and helped me to become 
you know, decide on being a nurse. Wow. When we talk about courage, that's one of those big things. And when we talk about even today, I'm leaning into this idea of being the church outside the four walls and you're, mm -hmm. you're living exactly that. Uh, so my follow up question to that would be, um, as you're in the nursing world this past year with the pandemic, especially in the beginning, uh, when things were uncertain and we didn't really know much about it, there was so much fear around it. Um, but you kept getting up and going on the front lines. You kept getting up and going into uh, ground zero of all of this. Uh, could you just let us all in on the courage of that, what it looks like of being a nurse, uh, or just actually the courage of that and also how faith impacted that? Well, I would tell you that when we take a look at the pandemic and everything that is going on, people are counting on us. Mm. So I didn't have time to be afraid. I didn't have time to do any of that. What I did have time to do was to care for the people. Wow. Even as an executive, I consider myself a servant leader. People are counting on me. And so what I can do each and every day is stand on the word of God, stand on his word and walk in faith in the midst of all of that's going on because I don't want the people to be afraid and the people on the inside to be afraid to take care of them. So I have to model the way. And in order for me to model the way, I have to stand on the word of God and on his on faith. Right. So I stand on faith and it increases my courage. It increases me to go in here and to care for the people that can't care for themselves. And I'm standing next to people that are dying and they don't have any family members with them. That allows me. This is my ministry. And that allows me to be able to go in and hold their hands. And it means so much to me that they can count on me to do that. I may not see a family member, but I want them to be able to feel something. And so I have to build up my faith and it encourages, it encourages me and it provides me with the courage that I need to go in and to stand next to them each and every day. The nurses, the patients, the doctors, whoever comes my way to be able to stand with them in faith, knowing that the Lord is going to be able to see us all through. Wow. That's what happens each and every day. Wow, wow. Thank you so much. This is spot on for the direction that I'm going. And how awesome is it that I get to, in some ways, preach with my mom. Um, yes. You're such an inspiration, mom. I'm so proud of you. I love you. And I got to get back to this sermon and preach okay. and show people what's up. <laughs> All right. I love you too. Have a good rest of your day. Love y'all. see you. Love you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow. What an amazing story and journey. As we talk about this topic of courage, I believe in the life of Peter, we actually have two more points that I want to pull and extract from chapter four. When we talk about that early church, when we talk about that movement, I want us to keep thinking not only individually, but also corporately. This matters to our faith on an everyday basis. Point number one, biblical courage does not come without risk. Point number two, Biblical courage empowers us to say no. Biblical courage empowers us to say no. Where do I get this from? Acts chapter four, verse 18. Same chapter, this council, these elders, these rulers of the day got together and they began to talk about all that Peter had just said. Remember, Peter just stood up in the face of all sorts of threats and in the face of all sorts of persecution, saying that I'm preaching in the name of Jesus. And then he keeps on going and then the council gets together and says, okay, how are we gonna punish them? How are we gonna throw them? How are we gonna to torture them? What are we gonna to do to shut these men up? They get together and then they bring Peter and John back into the room. 
So think of it like a courtroom in a sense. They leave the room, then they bring them back in for the final verdict. They, and the verse 18 says this. So they, meaning the rulers and the elders, called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and we have heard. They have a problem with them talking about Jesus and Peter in this moment. They say, don't do it. You will be threatened. You, you don't don't do it. You got punishment coming your way. You better not say the name of Jesus and Peter in in, in totality. And the essence of his response says no. That's right. He, he says no. And he, he draws the line. Now, I want you to be, be, stick with me in this. I, I'm not talking about uh, us being radicals. I'm, I'm not us talking about us going and, and, you know, whatever you may imagine in your head. What I'm getting at is that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to set boundaries. The Holy Spirit has empowered us to draw the line when it comes to our faith. The Holy Spirit has empowered us to stand up, to, to be that church. And when it comes to being the church, of course that comes with love, that comes with generosity, that comes with giving, that comes with taking a risk, that comes with all of these things. And at the same time, it comes with drawing a line when it comes to our faith, when it, when it, when it comes to expressing that this is what I believe. This is where the God of the Bible has guided me to. This, this is where my obedience and allegiance will be above all. Jesus will be the greatest in my life. And I know society may say something else and culture may say something else and they may try to put a rule on you. They may try to put different things and say, hey, you should probably live your life like this. And you know, being in the young generation, you got YOLO, right? It's this term that young people use and it's uh, you only live once. So might as well do anything that you want. You know, Live your life, do it up, do it big. You know what I mean? All these things and in our lives, going to come a point where we have to draw that line. It comes a point we have to recognize that we're together, but at the same time, you, you got to know that, that, that scripture does not tell me YOLO. The scripture does not push me to say, do everything that I can just because I can. Scripture does not tell me to just follow whatever I want to do or whatever I conjure up in my mind. It's, there's something where I have to draw a line in the sand. The Holy Spirit in this moment empowers us to say no. Peter's no may look different from your no, but what is that for you? Is that when it comes to uh, relationships? What is that when it comes to uh, boundaries with a family, when it comes to boundaries with work, when it comes to boundaries with vacation, when it comes to boundaries with your kids? When it comes to boundaries with what, what it looks like to study. I'm talking to you college students. I see you out there. When, when it comes to how you're going to go about stewarding your time. What about boundaries when it comes to our finances? When it comes to uh, our, the way that we live in our day-to-day -day lives. What does boundaries look like? There's this amazing author. And if you have not read Henry Cloud before, you are missing out. There's an amazing book when it comes to boundaries. Because I believe many of you, like myself... Many times things can bleed over into one another. And just because you can, you say yes. And just because you can, you end up doing it. And just because you can, you find yourself getting up and 
driving to that place. And just because you can, you decide to do the extra thing, whatever that may be. And because you can, yes, 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 is always a response. But what this Henry Cloud, it's an amazing author. He says, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. He goes on to say, taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. Boundaries help us keep the good in and the bad out. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. Boundaries, they show us who we are and who we aren't. And Henry Cloud, he gets into it in a very doctor way and shows us when it comes to real life. But my question today is, when it comes to boundaries, what does that look like for our courage, our biblical courage? What does boundaries look like for us when it comes to 2021, when we're in pushing forward into this next year, when we're going into being the church, this ecclesia and this movement? If biblical courage is the essence of being the church, is one of those major pivotal things, is one of the foundational cornerstones of being the church, well, Boundaries is going to have to be a part of that. And the Holy Spirit has empowered us to say no. I wonder where your no is today. Where are you saying no? Where are you saying no? And you understand that it's going to be courageous to say no. It's going to take some courage to say no. And it's going to point you back to God to say, Lord, I don't want to do this. And it's going to be tough to turn this down. And it's going to be tough to not take that job. And it's going to be a tough one to say no to that person. But Lord, I'm trusting you. And because of your Holy Spirit, I'm saying no. Point number two is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the biblical courage, uh, rather, uh, shows us and points us and empowers us to say no. Last and final point that I believe we see in this text is that biblical courage is not the absence of fear. Biblical courage is not the absence of fear. Peter's life is one. Right after all that this is happening, right after what we would say, yes, rah, 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 we're cheering you on. Peter gets together with a group of people. And I'm going to read it for you because I just feel that I, I have to urge myself to say that. I have to lean into what this means. Peter gets with a group of people and he begins to pray to God for boldness. He begins to pray and says, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may be bold, that I may be courageous. Now, pause. Wait for a second. You're thinking what I'm thinking. He just was courageous. He just did something that was bold. He just did something outside of himself. He just lived up to the moment. But Peter is still the same Peter back when he denied Jesus. Not not in the same in the sense that he didn't grow, but the same in the sense that he understands what fear feels like. He's been down the road of rejection. He's been down the road of fearing what comes with saying no, what comes with boundaries, what comes with standing up and, and taking a risk. He understands that fear comes with that. And where's his source in this moment? What is his posture in this moment? Peter decides to get on his knees and to pray to God 
the one who gave him the courage in the first place, the one that has empowered him and brought him this far, knowing that God didn't leave me this far, or bring me this far to leave me. And he knows that exactly the same person who has brought me this far is gonna see me through. So biblical courage is not the absence of fear. So I'm encouraging you individually and corporately as a church, even when we feel the fear, emotions are great informers, not drivers. They inform us. Our body tells us when we fight or flight, there's this fear that comes about. We understand that. We recognize that. Let those be things that inform us. But at the same time, biblical courage understands that we hold that fear and we step in spite of. Biblical courage knows that in the face of pain, in the face of anger, in the face of moments that, that, that bring about trauma, that we can hold those and pray to God, just as Peter did, submit them before God and recognize, I can take another step. I, I can move again. I, I can go forward in 2021. I'm wrapping it all up. What am I saying in this moment? For us as the church, for us as we are going to grow this year, how do we grow from here? Well, one of the major ways that we do that is doing exactly what Peter did when he's praying for courage. Because when we see the church, not only do we see the Holy Spirit empowering us to do all these things, we see the Holy Spirit empowering us to be courageous. And like I said, courageous looks different for everybody. That's where the homework comes in. That's where you do the due diligence of recognizing, where am I taking my risk? Where am I setting my boundaries? And where am I getting before God and asking him for more, asking him to, for boldness, asking him to be courageous? These are moments and steps that I believe all of us are being called to in this moment, in this cultural moment. And I wanna pray with us as we end our time together. My prayer is gonna be very simple. Holy Spirit, empower me to be courageous. Holy Spirit, empower us to be courageous, individually and corporately. This is what you have called us to, and this is what it looks like to follow after you. And we thank you for being with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
hear those words good it's a good God and we live we live for a good God that has a grace for each one of us you guys a good God that empowers us through the Holy Spirit to be courageous people to stand up and to say I I can do this because God is empowering me to do it through the Holy Spirit man hold on to that as we continue to hold on to the greater push that God has given us to be the ecclesia to be that church, that movement in this, in this community. You guys, that's what we want to do. We hope you grabbed onto that today. We hope you guys have an awesome week. We will see you next Sunday.